0: The Power 40 podcast is an uplifting faith-based podcast that speaks to all that is going on in our world. Our goal is to share inspirational real life stories and experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all. The number 40 symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. We all experience trying times in our lives, but it's what comes from these times that make us who we are. As we depict periods of people's lives, where the idea of the number 40 is played out, we will learn the goodness that comes from perseverance, determination, and belief. I am your host, Danica Tramberg, with co-host Ryan Harris. And today we are just grateful to sit down and talk with a former NBA star, Chris Herron. So thanks for joining
1: us, Chris. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: As a voice for change, you've spoken to over a million students, I think, changing the conversation on substance abuse truly a topic that needs to be talked about. You know, everyone has a story along with these stories. Everyone has challenges to overcome. You know, what story prompted you to speak about this topic?
1: You know, honestly, it's, it all happened by accident. Like I I can honestly say that my speaking career, which I never, ever thought of. um, I never, never intended on being a making a career out of being a public speaker. And uh, I've been doing it for a decade. I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, But there was just this, there was this teacher, there was a woman um, who read an article in the newspaper who saw that I had lost my license um, due to multiple overdoses. And, but I was on this journey to recovery and she was a health teacher. And she called me and she said, you know, I teach at a neighboring school to the town that you live in. I think you'd be great for my students. So she said, I can pick you up, I can buy you Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, and we'll go speak to my class and you're gonna do it eight times. So I said, cool. So I jumped in and I drove and I, and I did it. And the one thing about public speaking is, and I've learned you can market as much as you want, but if you're not, if you don't do a good job, like it's all referral based, right? Like someone's going to tell someone to bring that someone in. And, you know, from that, I went to another high school and another high school. And, you know, now 10 years later, I've done close to 2 million kids. Um, You know, most NFL teams, um, I do the NBA rookies every year. Um, You know, a lot of major league baseball, a lot of NHL. So, but my sweet spot is with, is with, is with uh, educating the kids.
2: Now, Chris, you talk about talking to those <clears throat> NFL teams. And when you came to speak to us at the Chiefs, I'll never forget what you said at the end of your story, an amazing story mm. uh, about, about addiction and overcoming it. But what you said was, you are enough. Mm. Open up a little more and tell me what you mean by but when you tell people you don't need to do drugs, you don't need to do to, to these other things that detract from your dreams, you are enough. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, you know, like just, and, and I and I talk about this with, with kids, right? Because I think, I don't think we challenge ourselves, but definitely not our children enough, like socially and emotionally, right? Like we push them to be really good students, really good athletes, but but not really good socially and not comfortable socially. Um, So, you know, I just remember from the time I was in high school, college, and the pros, the people who didn't drink and smoke, the ones who didn't have to get absolutely blasted in clubs, um, they were intrigued, I was intrigued by them. You know, like I was just like, damn, like how can they do it without? Like, what's inside of them that they don't have to change themselves? Mm -hmm. Like, and, you know, that's a very internal, you know, (laughs) that's an internal question. Um, You know, and I think oftentimes we're just so focused on the external, right? Like, you know, I my son's 22, my daughter's 19, and my youngest is 13. And Mm -hmm. people say, like, what would you do if you caught him? And I'd ask him why you know like parents they want to blame other parents for hosting they want to focus on their friends where'd you get it how much did you do but parents don't sit their children down look them in the eye and ask them why and and to me that's again an an internal um kind of soul question um just being good enough feeling good enough
0: Yeah. I think, And that question, why is so important? I mean, so many things in your life, you know, you know, why do you act a certain way? Why do you react to things? And if we just sit down and ask someone, you know, maybe they overreacted or whatever it is, you know, why, why do you feel that way? Or, Mm. you know, obviously sometimes it's something so much deeper than just what you see on the surface. And I think that's so important. It's not even just substance abuse. It's, you know, it's why in so many areas of your life and if, if parents would sit down and talk to their children and and ask why they're making certain decisions, it becomes a whole new conversation that we can open up to.
1: Totally. And and I think it, it's, it allows kids to feel, it allows anyone to feel heard, right? That like, you're really, you really want to listen to how, how I feel. Um, you know, I don't have to pretend around you and, and And kind of go through the motions with you. Like you really want to sit down and get to the, into the nitty gritty, Um, you know, and and that's important. I think, you know, I think challenging, challenging anyone socially and emotionally, um, you know, is, is, is a powerful thing. And, you know, I got sober 13 and a half years ago and, you know, my wife who I've been married to for 23 years, she can drink like she doesn't drink, but she can drink. Um, but I love the fact that I can go to weddings with my wife and dance and just like be in the moment and have fun and don't have to be wasted for it. You know, like I can walk into a big room of people and feel comfortable in my own skin and proud of where I'm at. Um, you know, for someone like me who suffers from substance use, um, you know, that's a big deal
2: what was what was the first thing you did to be comfortable in those rooms after being Mm -hmm. you know after leaving your addiction was it you know sometimes they say to a speaker hey imagine everybody's in the room naked or something or somebody's smiling right or or don't make contact but what was a tangible thing you did to be comfortable in a room full of people you don't know
1: without having to use drugs yeah so so there's two two kind of pathways right like Socially, I did a lot of work emotionally. Right. Like it was a lot of soul seeking, dive in, um, trusting, kind of, you know, just that leap of faith. Right. So I could walk into, you know, a wedding with my wife and just feel confident and not.
2: Did you say something to yourself to beat? Did you say something to be confident? Like, what was that? Yeah, it was Were you the like work. I am comfortable, or I am yeah. a friend, or I am no. kind. I mean, give me the tangibles there, brother. Yeah,
1: no, it wasn't. I, it, there was no like inner voice. It was just it was it was the work I put in, man. Like, you know, it's just it. There's preparation to this. You know, just like you're comfortable on a Sunday, because what you did all week led you to get comfortable on a Sunday there's there is a uh, there is a process to this to, to recovery to sobriety and you know i treat it very similar to to my athletics right like i have to show up i have to put the work in i have to sacrifice i have to put things aside and put this this first so you know it's that type of mentality that eventually putting the work in prepared me for those moments right but 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 when I go in from a room of, of people I speak in front of, it's also, I'm scared. Like I'm nervous. Like I've done this, you know, over a thousand times and I'm nervous, right? And, and, and I tell people all the time, when I stop being nervous, I'll quit because I'm not, I'm not healthy.
0: Yeah, I think it's so interesting. You know, these the groups of people you talk to too, why, why was it the, the student age? Why was it the high school age for you?
1: Because I mean, high school and middle school, right? Like they, they're not afraid to cry. Mm -hmm. You know, like they, they're at an age where, um, they're going to feel it. You know, they're going to feel it. And when I speak to professional teams, oftentimes it's like, Hey, can you help my brother? Can you help my sister? Can you help my mom? Right. Um, And some of the pros reach out after they retire, like, yo, I listened to you speak. Can I get some help? Um, but it's just kids, right? Like you have a real chance, like to change their trajectory, you know, like you, you're putting, you're putting situations, opportunities out there for them to pivot. Um, and when you you know, like when I speak to kids, I'll say like, I want you to think of your little brother and sister, like dive deep into your little brother and sister, think of their face, think of who they are, and think now of them doing what you're doing on Friday nights and see if it feels right.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's tough right there.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, Chris,
2: Chris, you also, you know, in your amazing story of overcoming addiction and spreading the word, and, and I think you're just so courageous For being able to speak about this, right? Especially for the last 10 or so years before Mm. things like the opioid pandemic came out. But you also know what it takes to be the best. Mm. What does it take to be great? You were one of the greatest basketball players of your time. What does it take to be great
1: for all those looking to achieve? I mean, you got to be willing to sacrifice, right? You got to be willing to do things that make you uncomfortable. You got to be willing to lose. You got to be willing you know, like you, you really have to be willing to lose because, you know, I just, I just went on a, uh, so I traveled all week. Right. And I got a 13 year old son and he plays on the Nike circuit. Um, and I'm at made hoops, it's called, um, down in Hampton, Virginia. And, you know, my son, he got, he got his ass kicked, you know, excuse my language. (laughs) Um, but he's got, you know, like I said to him, like, that's part of it, man. Like now, you know what to do when you go home. Mm-hmm. You know, like wow. you know, you know what to do, what you have to do to prepare for the next session when you go back, and that's up to you. So I was willing to lose. I was. I, I, I'm not willing to lose. I was willing to do the work after I lost. Mm. Um, and you know, I was willing to do things that most weren't that that most weren't willing to do. Um. You know, and, and that's the thing, even with speaking, right? Like, as often as I do it, there's still game planning. There's still film to watch. There's still, like, understanding who's out in front of you and how you can get to them. Um, you know, they really, to me, there's no difference.
0: How does, So when you say, like, you're back in, you're playing basketball, what was your, how would you compare your preparation for that for preparation for speaking?
1: Um. know i do my background right like it's again like so when you when you're when you're playing a sport in football it's much more in depth right like the amount of film and study work you have to do is much different than basketball um basketball we kind of get off easy basketball players are spoiled you know you just got to show up to a gym for a couple hours and then your day's done football you're there it's a it's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know you're there all day um but you know when you understand the behaviors of your opponent, when you understand their strengths and their weaknesses, um, you know, you, you're better prepared. Um, and you know, every community I go into, I just do the research. I do the work. I do the research. I, I, I get kind of a feeling where they're at and what they're going through. If there's been any tragedies, if there's, you know, how many overdose deaths, um, you know what's what's the median income? Like all this stuff, I I do I do a lot of that research before I go in, uh, so I know when I'm I know when I'm kind of the demographic I'm going to be in front of them, when I'm going to walk into and what seems to resonate best with that particular group.
2: Well, Chris, when you when you changed your life, <clears throat> you told us the story about being uh, in an airport and your and your family was waiting for you. In that moment, what can you encourage people listening? Everybody wants to make a change one way or another, right? Speedo season's eight months out for me, right? I got to get in that Speedo, bro. what, What would you encourage somebody to say in that moment to create that change to themselves as you did? Or maybe take us to where, what did you say to yourself in that moment that did turn it around for you?
1: you know, I, I had to, I had to really dial in on my insecurities. My insecurities was driving me away from security. Wow. You know what I mean? Like my insecurities was keeping me from where I need to be. And, you know, pretending to be different, pretending to be special, pretending to be, you know, more than what I am, um, having more than what I have, uh, you know, once I let go of those insecurities and, and really got a baseline of who I was, um, you know, it's time to work up and, you know, like I'm here at my wellness center right now and I have 36 people living here, right? 36 people live at this, at the at my center in Massachusetts. Um, and I tell them all the time, find your baseline, you know, find, find your baseline and work up. Like, don't, you got so many people that come into this and they want to they've hurt so many, right? You hurt so many, you've broken so many hearts. Um, You've let so many people down that you want to hold on to this idea that you have stuff left and you don't have to, Mm -hmm. you know, once you, once you let, let the people who love you understand how broken you are, um, then you can put the work in to get it back. And, and so my insecurities was a huge deterrent to, to where I needed to be. And, and once I once I let that go, it was on.
0: I think just what you talked about right there, it's like this message of resiliency. I think humans are so resilient and I think you're a great example of that and, and hope. Like this mm-hmm. message of hope and resiliency in life, people can change, people can literally change the trajectory of their life. Um, like you have that ability. What, what do those words kind of mean to you when you hear them?
1: It's special, right? Like it's, I walk into, I walk into any speaking event and I want them, especially children, right? Like I want kids to forget that I played in the NBA. Like that's my goal. My goal is to like completely let them forget my 30 for 30, let them forget that I played in the NBA, my college career and all that I accomplished as an athlete. And let them understand like who I'm trying to be as a person and, and, and you know, remember my soul, right? And, and that, you know, I challenge them at a level that most people haven't been willing to challenge. Um, you know, parents aren't willing to challenge that, right? And And I can't tell you, you know, again, I'm sitting at my wellness center and I can't tell you how many kids have come through here you know, and when I say kids, I, I, I mean, young adults, right, like 20 to 30, that, that listen to me speak in high school or college. Yeah. You know, I, I have so many people that come to my wellness center to live, um, that were in, in the audience at one time. So, you know, what doesn't resonate immediately, um, you know, if it resonates later, and, and gives them an opportunity to find someone like, wait, that guy, You know, um, and I get an opportunity to impact them later in life as well.
2: And Chris, do you say prevention is all of our responsibility? What can we do as allies, as advocates for those who who are facing, you know, uh, addiction or who are who want to create a space that if they know they're going to go there, they want to be safe? I mean, how is it all of our responsibility to support those who are who are addicted? And what can
1: we do? you know i'd walk away from this right like if wellness became a core class like if you in, if you implemented wellness as part of the core curriculum of our children mm. from grades kindergarten to 12 like the world would be different man yeah. like we would create something really special and and like i don't understand how in 2021 you know wellness isn't the focus for our children, right? Whether it's nutrition, sleep, exercise, social, emotional growth, help, coping skills, all of that stuff. Um, not drug. Not you don't have to talk to elementary kids about drugs and alcohol, um, but you can talk to them about self-esteem and self-worth. Mm-hmm. You can you can educate our children of the impact that genetic the genetic component can have in your life because of alcoholism and addiction. So you know, if we keep pushing the narrative that we want more for our children, hopefully, you know, the education piece where they show up to school and they know they got a classroom where they got to sit in and talk about wellness, you know, and and by the time you're in high school, like it's just another day, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's okay to be sad today. It's okay to feel bad today. And so like Simone Biles, right? What a boss move. Yeah. You know that's a boss move like to, 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 to just pull out and be like nah, my mental health is more important 15, 20 years ago that would never happen right so we've made great strides around mental health and 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 I think we make we've made great strides because of the education by these, by kind of pulling being aware of some of our vocabulary like mental illness right like you're mentally ill mm-hmm. um. Like, that's sad, man. Like, mentally ill. Um, so so we've, we've done a lot of work, and, and, and we've created a space where people like Simone Biles feels comfortable saying it, and she's going to make a lot of people better off because of her courage for that.
2: I love that you said Simone Biles. Real quick, what do you say to people who disagreed with what she said, who thought that she abandoned her team? I'm with you. I think that's incredibly courageous. And you and I, Chris, we were never up – in the sky, you know, yeah. trying to compete either, you know, so there's yeah. that whole aspect of it. But what do you say to people that said, you know, I think she, she
1: left her team. She didn't do what was best. What, what do you say to them? I mean, Simone Biles, man, like to be who she is and what she's accomplished, she's a savage. Like she's just a straight savage and Simone Biles doesn't bail out. Like she doesn't bail. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason why Simone Biles walked away. Like she wouldn't be Simone Biles if she was what people are saying, like mm. that, that she abandoned her team. Um, nah, Simone Biles, she's like a, you know, you know, it's interesting, right? Like I say basketball players are soft and, and they're spoiled and you know, <laughs> gymnasts, gymnasts are probably the toughest like the work, they do more work than football players. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the effort that they have to put into that gym I don't think there's a sport that requires more more effort than a gymnast, you know. And and the length of time, right? They start early, and 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 the the commitment, you know. Most gymnasts are going to school at the gym, you know. Never mind train; they're training there. They're going to school there, and and they're going to sleep there, you know. So, nah, Simone Biles isn't that. That's that's not her character, you know. I, I don't I don't think it. I don't think she'd be who she was if she had that character. Mm.
0: Yeah. What, what an amazing talent too, truly. Mm-hmm. And as we close out today and just reflect on the power of 40 in our lives, maybe the trials we're going through or have to overcome, we understand that in life, we will continue to experience the good and the bad that life throws our way. And 40 also seems to si- be significant in regards to time, like Jesus spending 40 days fasting in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil, the great flood lasting 40 days and 40 nights. If you had just 40 minutes Chris to impact the world where would you start and what would you say?
1: If I just had 40 40 40 minutes to impact the world I would I would my audience would be children. Um, you know I would talk about you know the power of bravery and courage and you know um, you know the the superpower of being able to share and 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 speak and you know, people underestimate that, you know, people underestimate the, the superpower. Um, you know, it's funny because I walk into schools. Right. And after I'm done speaking, the kids who raise their hand are the kids that teachers would have never picked. Mm. You know, like they always think like, oh, the captain of the football team and, you know, the girl, she's the head cheerleader. She'll, she has the confidence to raise their hand. It's never that kid. It's always the kid that the kids never think of and the teachers never think of. Um, And and every time I tell them that, you know, like that's a superpower. You know, that's a superpower to be able to speak out loud in front of people. Um, So, you know, their voice matters. Our voice matters. Our words matter. um, And, you know, my audience will be children because I believe um, that they can change it you know, and they can, they can impact not only their future, but the future behind them for the kids behind them. Wow. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining Ryan and I, and can you just let our listeners know where to continue to follow your journey?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of places, right? So, um, parent wellness is, is my treatment centers. Um, I have one located in mass and one in Virginia. Um, Heron Talks is kind of what's going to bring me up to, to Wisconsin and, and, and that area of, of doing speaking events. Um, and then there's Heron Project, my nonprofit, who uh, assists families who can't afford treatment, um, who don't know how to navigate the treatment process for their loved ones. Um, you know, Heron Project is something that's very special to me. I mean, we've given over $7 million and scholarships in the last 10 years. Um, you know, we have 30 meetings a week online for family support groups that are, that are um, facilitated by clinicians. Um, so, you know, Heron Project, Heron Talks, Heron Wellness, I'm easy to find.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Chris, again, and Ryan. And for more information just Thanks on the Power of 40 podcast, visit powerhumans.com. You can also stream the podcast on your preferred streaming service.